0: This is Shaquille O'Neal. Do you ever scream at your printer, call it naughty names, or hurl empty ink cartridges across the room? You likely suffer from cartridge conniptions caused by ink cartridges constantly running out of ink. Thankfully, the Epson EcoTank printer is the perfect cure. It's cartridge-free, conniption-free, prescription-free, with big ink tanks and a ridiculous amount of ink. So you can finally kiss expensive cartridges goodbye. The Epson EcoTank, just and chill. Available at Target and Walmart.
1: Some people might say coffee doesn't need chocolate, but you're not some people, you're a dreamer. You see the possibilities of chocolate and caramel flavors swirling together with cold brew, topped with velvety chocolate cold foam and cocoa caramel crumbles. That imagination can only be rewarded with Dunkin's new caramel chocolate cold brew. It's a cold brew dream come true. America runs on Dunkin. Price and participation may vary, limited time offer terms apply. All right, welcome into another episode of Woodward Techers here at WoodwardSports.com. Alongside me is Chris Brown, John, and Youper. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and over at WoodwardSports.com. Right now, the Seawolves, the top of the 7 five, two, as if they win tonight, they advance to the championship of the Eastern League, and they get the winner of Somerset and Portland, which I think Somerset's up in that series, correct?
2: They won the first game, yeah, and it looks like it's tied in the seventh right now,
1: 3-3. So, plenty to get to tonight. We're going to talk about the Scott Harris press conference, some takeaways from that, and one of the one of the questions we're going to ask the audience and ourselves is, what will be the first move that Scott Harris would do, and we'll talk about that. The Tigers in Baltimore, some Joey Wentz, another strong start, so he looks like he's developing some consistency. Kerry Carpenter with his six home run, I want to talk about that a little bit because – the piece he was on would have been a good one. He would have hit three home runs. There was a good article today that was posted in Sports Illustrated about the minor leaguers who helped, got, who was getting, who helped get the union going, which is a big deal to be part of the union. And the other, probably the other news we're gonna hit, and this is gonna be called the opener. So we're gonna hit three or four topics and go through them rapid fire style, so we can stay on pace. And, and the goal is a good, clean, crisp hour of entertaining baseball talk. So. Without further, I love saying the word crisp. If I could say the word crisp describe things, you know, Jeremy on our YouTube channel, by the way, shout out to Jeremy for every time I'm on Woodward, he always gives me a shout out. So much appreciated. And thank you, Jeremy. All right. So I'm congested. So I'm going to be a lot of times when I'm going to be doing this, I'm going to mic my mic because I don't want on to the, on the mic. So, but let's talk about Scott Harris. I was at the press conference. And that was, again, we, we had we had a quick emergency pod. We, we hit some of the quick things pretty quick. We, we hit the we hit a lot of the things pretty quickly, but absorbing it, kind of sitting back and marinating on the, of course, the general manager speak and that kind of stuff. In terms of the kind of takeaways, what I thought we, we had, we talked about our takeaways, obviously, but the more we marinated on it a little bit, not like NyQuil on chicken, which is a TikTok trend that I was sorry on that. Anyways, I just wanted to know what you guys, after marinating on it for a little bit, do you have any further thoughts? John, I didn't get your thoughts about Scott Harris, but what was your initial impression?
0: Oh, I'm like, I'm, I mean, I think everyone is in like the same boat. I really haven't heard any, any bad stuff about him yet. I was really excited. I'm glad we have a young GM. I'm glad we don't have an old man as a GM anymore. I think that's important. But, uh, like, I don't know. He's, like, he's three years younger than Miggy. I saw. But, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I feel like everyone's excited, honestly. Like, I haven't heard any bad things really at all so far.
1: What about you, Youper? I mean, I know you're a man that I, I like to call – I like to think you're the philosopher <laughs> or a podcast. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, <laughs> but, I, think, I think
3: the thing the thing is, you know – the thing that jumped out at me is he had a lot of things to say that sounded very good, but let's face it. Typically when your predecessor has been unpopular and they've been run out of their job, it's pretty easy to win the press conference for the new guy. You don't have to say too many things that sound pretty good to win the press conference. And I think he won the press conference. So that's a good step. That should have been a gimme and it was, and he sounded very impressive. You can tell just listening to him, the education level that he has. I think he sounded pretty confident. But, you know, the proof's going to be in the pudding. If if you put the, just use a round number, if it's going to be a 1,000 steps to win a World Series title, he just took number one, okay? So there's going to be a lot of steps coming up this winter. But, you know, I, I like the idea, you know, when he philosophized a bit about the strike zone, and controlling the strike zone from both sides made a lot of sense, you know. You know, I, Now can they put it into practice? It will be very fun to watch. So I think he's off to a good start.
1: Well said. What about you, Chris?
2: Yeah, you know, actually, one of the questions we got was from Zach, you know, Montana bad boy. He just wanted to know our thoughts for Scott Harris, so this will be essentially hitting that right, right away. But, yeah, I mean, I echo what the guy said. I think he was very impressive. I think I mentioned before... I don't know if I mentioned it on our last show, but I had actually listened to him on a podcast before and was annoyed by how impressive he was then, (laughs) before he was with the Tigers. Just in 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 like in in a good way, like had an opportunity because he was the son of two doctors. You know, he could go and be an unpaid intern, but after that, it was all him, really. I mean, he he worked he worked his ass off. Like the, the stories of him going to business school while working full time with the cubs just so just in case baseball didn't work out so he's clearly he's got the work ethic and the, the thing i love about him is that he is is kind of from a varied tree if you will like one of the things we see a lot in sports and this is you know it, it's in every sport you, somebody wins it is good so they get pulled you know you start taking the underlings we saw it in football all the time like every 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 year, it's a new member of the New England Patriots who gets poached, and it never works out. But with, with Scott Harris, you know, he, he started off as an intern. He wouldn't work for MLB for a couple of years, which people say is a great thing to do just to get a feel for the ins and outs of how everything works. Then he's in Chicago under Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer. You know, That's a pretty highly regarded brain trust there. And then he leaves there and goes to San Francisco under Farhan Zayedi, who came up through the A's with Billy Bean and then briefly with the Dodgers and Andrew Friedman, like that's three different really well-respected kind of, you know, GM trees. So this isn't a case where he's just, you know, a, a just the, the youngest guy in a one group. That's good. He's, he's viewed as good by, you know, all across baseball. And I think that's a great sign for the Tigers.
1: Yeah. It's, it's almost like the equivalency you're talking about for football. It's like, he went through the bill parcel, bill Parcells, tree. He went through the Bill Walsh tree and I'm trying to think of another one that's a pretty impressive tree. In college you got the Saban tree? Sabin tree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. A, I mean Sabin is under Belichick
2: is under Parcells I think. Really, like, Yeah. That's that's true. True. No, that's yeah. So, so um, but
1: I'm trying to yeah, think of I mean, another older tree. I'm th- thinking of there's a I was thinking of the, the well, Bill Walsh. No I, I mentioned yeah, Bill mentioned, Walsh. Mentioned, oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: So but I was yeah, trying to think of yeah,
1: somebody that's,
2: else. That's, that's ahead, exactly Chris. it. That's, that's the exact same idea. is like he's been – he wasn't just the next guy in line from, like, you know, where you don't really know if this is – if he, he's any good at all, and it's just he was available. This is a guy who's been at multiple places with multiple styles of leadership and, and seems to have a good way to synthesize it all and, and make it work. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's about as well as the Tigers could have done. And again, I, like, I apologized last time. I don't know if I apologized, but I said, I, I just admitted I was wrong. I didn't think the Tigers were going to do anything like this, and, and I was impressed that they did.
1: Yeah, and again, it's one of those things where I think one of the biggest takeaways I took from the press conference, too, is the fact that here he was. You could tell that he's had a long last couple of days, and and then he just was able to, because based off his schedule, he, he mentioned the Richmond and in, in Erie's game on Sunday because he was torn what teams to root for and everything. And <laughs> the fact that I, I like the fact that I like the fact that him and Hinch and they're all in the same game plan. And some of the things that one of the things that I mentioned, or one of the things that I read about that, I thought Jason Beck did a good job on was in terms of his pitching a lot of the one year deal, two year deals, the giants have built the rotation based off kind of a quick build, rotate quick building. If you with the Tigers are completely different because they Have a lot more organic arms, so I'm interested. That to me is the most interesting thing I'm looking forward to. Scott Harris to see if he's going to work with Gabe Rivas and, and Federer and just trust the system, or he's going to take some one year arms and hopefully the curse of free agency that the Tigers have been have witnessed. AKA Mike Peltry, ain't AKA Mark Lowe. I can go on and on and on.
0: Jordan Silver,
1: yeah. Well, now I don't look. I'm not gonna again, that to me is Jordan Zimmerman, no one expected that no one expected the wheels to fall off that quickly. He was the second best yeah. arm on the market then. And I sometimes think a gets really was it a lot of money? Sure, but that's what they wanted to do then. And it was the second best arm period. so
0: yeah. anyway. all
1: right, moving on, the other thing I wanted to get to was the Baltimore and Tiger Series because the Tigers took two out of three. they won the series. Against a team that was containing the playoffs. And a couple of takeaways I wanted to talk about was Joey Wentz. And Wentz just came off the IL. Chris, I wanted to, I know that we, we talked about in the beginning of the year, his fastball, his command in spring training looked really good and then just kind of dropped off. I feel now Wentz is getting a little more, more comfortable with his off speed offerings so far. i mean you, you two, I'm in, interested to see what you guys think about Wentz's start.
2: Yeah, I mean, we saw him out in Lansing. We saw him in Toledo this year. We saw him early in the year where where he was spraying the ball everywhere. And he he really seems to have, you know, dialed in his fastball command. He still will lose it for like a batter or two. You'll see him just randomly start throwing balls. But he seems to be able to pull back in. I think the the big thing for his development this year was the cutter. You know, he's he's always, he was known for his changeup and his fastball has some really nice characteristics, but his, his curveball was always just, it's kind of slow and not necessarily a great pitch but he's developed this cutter this little harder late horizontal movement and that's really helped him you know keep hitters off balance and yeah I mean you, you, you have to look at him now as a guy who's got a chance to win a spot in the rotation starting next year which is kind of it was something that I, I kind of maintained like a year and a half ago and like I, I think that Wentz has a lower ceiling than Scooble, Mize, Manning but I always felt like he had just as good a chance to get back into the rotation starter and and That's what it looks like now. So, yeah, I mean, it's been another positive development from the depths of the pitching this year. I've liked what I've seen in terms of – I've been trying to watch the
3: pace that he works at in terms of how how fast his delivery is. He doesn't seem to vary – he seems like he's very consistent right now. Maybe that's leading to some of the strike throwing. He seems like he's – and, again, I'm not a pitching coach. But I try to watch, you know, how they land and are they on balance – and it seems like he is, so that's I mean, off to a good start. You know, he's kind of kind of where Faito was earlier this summer. After a few starts, Faito looked good, and we were hoping that that would continue on. He ran into the hip injury, but now Wentz is kind of taking that mantle. He's the guy who's had a few good starts. Hopefully he gets one or two more here before they're done, and we get a better look. And, yeah, I don't see any reason why he's not taking the ball every fifth day next spring if he continues on this path.
0: Um, yeah, so this was this was actually my inside the number. So, I mean, we, I can just get to it now. But so Joey Wentz in his last four starts has given up a combined two runs in 20 and a third innings pitch. I know it's just four starts, but, I mean, two runs in 20 innings pitch. I mean, he's got a FIP of, of 2.72, 18 strikeouts to four walks, and ERA is under one right now. Again, it's it's a short sample size, but, I mean, yeah, I think – he he's definitely positioned himself as a starter next year. So yeah, you guys, that was my inside the number was Joey Woods.
1: Yeah, that's. Uh, we also had a request for Danny Seredy impressions on the podcast, and we'll be glad to do that a little later. Danny yes. Oh, By the way, what... thoughts, not just impressions. Okay. Yeah, guys. the impressions. Oh. <laughs> One last thing I wanted to get to before in part of the opener segment. Is I I know we've talked about division rivals, we talked about the Twins and all that, and I think we're gonna sk- skirt that for. We laugh at the Twins later. I mean, that's something yeah. that do later, later. Absolutely. Uh, too easy. But what I do want to talk about with the minor leagues is th- they are now part of the MLB union. That's a big deal because these players have been not represented, and they needed some representation. So there was a great article posted by Emma Baccarelli in Sports Illustrated. And I thought it was a really good job of pointing who was getting this responsible. One of the one of the players was Joe Hudson, who was a catcher, who started like just an org catcher, thirty one years old in the Rays system. And we'll post the link for everybody here on our YouTube channel if everybody wants to check it out. It's a really good read. It's not behind a paywall. Player development roster. So I, it's crazy. My cold back to there, but the, oh yeah. Please, speaking of the player development roster, before I forget. Chris, are we going to post it on the website or are we going to post it on Twitter?
2: The oh the uh, the roster the yeah. for the instruct.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, well, I don't know. I didn't. I not know. I'll I guess we should right. probably put it I'll on the, the site.
1: I guess. I, yeah, I, oh, yeah. Yeah. Show meeting.
2: After yeah. Sorry. Show show right. All
1: right. Show meeting over. So go back into it. So this and yeah, this is a great story about how they got unionized. It t- it took. It took taking 17 days and just it was a it was the whole mix of people involved in it. One of the things that I, I really have to admire about this is that some of these guys know their wool and, and kind of even like, for example, the, the story of Trevor Hillenberger, you got a signing bonus of a thousand dollars and take that and take some money out for out for, for taxes too, which I mentioned in the story. I mean, what people don't realize is that. I, I, again, I hate when people say oh, it's a, it's a, they're playing a they're playing a cheap kids game, and there's a lot to go with it. And I, I understand our audience is pretty smart and hip to that stuff. But when every time I see somebody ragging on a minor leaguer or something of like that effect, it's like get a first of all, get a life, and secondly, they're giving. I mean, what they have to do in terms of per, uh, per diem for food. I mean, they're looking at sandwiches that you get you know, those uh, that deli ham. You know how you go get fire
2: but, festival sandwiches?
0: Yeah,
1: you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that that's like it's a it's a pound of ham. It's a dollar forty nine. It's like, eh, is it really ham though?
0: Eh? It's, like, it's like sodium pain.
1: intake is like ninety or hundred grams of sodium per one slice of ham and all that. And you know, their treat is spending ten bucks at McDonald's because now McDonald's yeah, cost McDonald's right now is ridiculous. Anyway, I don't want to get too sidetracked. But get a chance to read the article. But I wanted to get your uh, opinions real quick before we get to are inside the numbers this evening, but this is, this is great story. And I I, I hope that this, again, I think the major leagues will find a way to go, well, guess what? We'll take away a couple minor league teams. They'll find a way to distribute it in their own way, but I just want to get your thoughts on it.
3: I'm happy it's happened. I think that, you know, there's no reason to have athletes on that level living hand to mouth barely scraping by having six guys living in an apartment, you know, if, if if you're good enough to be on that level and they think that you're someone who can help them on a major league level at some point, they should be investing in those guys and to get them to that point. So there's no reason why they're making them live in conditions that just aren't conducive to improvement. So hopefully the union can do something for them. And get them to a the level I think that
0: most of us would be more comfortable seeing, hearing about. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want yeah more eyes on the on the minor league baseball, more eyes on the product. I think something we we would like to see in the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's
2: basic human worker rights is is always good to see. The we do come at it from like a, a slightly different area though, because we know that, like you said, Raj, that that ultimately. Yeah, if it's better for the players, owners aren't going to just eat that cost. They're going to find another way to to make that up. And if that's you know transferring more of the burden to minor league teams, which might hurt them more, that's what's going to happen. So it's you know seldom in life is is anything 100 percent perfect. But uh, you know I, I I've wanted minor leaguers to have a better working conditions for for years now, and so it's it's hopefully this will get them that and yeah, I think it's a good thing overall. It's just we're, there's going to be some unintended consequences, unfortunately.
1: So, by the way, breaking news: John Rosdoff with a field single, second hit of the night, drives yeah. in Danny Saretti And the C- I, I'm pulling up. I got it. Chris. I've got the. Clip oh, you got him. it. Okay. Yeah,
2: Dave Alvarez with the magic touch today sits yeah. Josh Crouch, who's who's been struggling in Double A, uh, and brings in John Rossoff, the the Army grad, yeah. who hasn't played in like two weeks.
1: And good yeah.
2: for good for Rossoff.
1: So that drives in the run and it gives a Erie the SeaWolves C- C- a. C- A nice little cushion there, so it's now six two in the eighth inning. Continue on. So, John, go ahead. What were
0: you going to say about the about the minor leagues? No, I mean I pretty much said what I said. I was just reading the article. It said that one of the players was making like two hundred dollars every two weeks or something. That's (laughs) that's just crazy. But yeah, I mean obviously we would like the MLB to put more, you know, effort and more. Get more eyes onto the onto that product. I think you guys do a great job of, of doing that. So yeah, I mean, I think they can do a lot better job, and hopefully they will.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I oh Rob, just muted. Oh go, go, ahead, go yeah. ahead, go ahead,
0: go
2: ahead. I just I think ultimately Major League Baseball might one day. I mean we we may it, they're under team development contracts for another ten years, so things are gonna stay the same. I think for at least a decade, but it wouldn't shock me if down the road baseball tries to get fewer teams, even, you know, maybe two levels or three to where the point where it's almost like all prospects playing against each other at all times where, you know, you don't have these sort of, you know, the guys that, that are paid to play catch with your prospects as it were. And
0: yeah. What yeah. about the, like the G league in the NBA? You think it's yeah, something I mean, like it, that? It, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's
2: something I think, that's what baseball would like to have like mm-hmm. a dedicated developmental league that, you know, maybe nobody cares about the game or, or the game, like the outcomes. It's just all about, you know, get these players better, give them a chance to, to make it. Now yeah. that's, that's one of those, one of the issues with that though, is that it, 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 it may be better for the major league product now, but it's terrible for baseball writ large where you're not growing the game in these smaller cities anymore. People in, you know, Des Moines, as it were, you um, you know, they, they don't, they don't really have a connection to baseball anymore because there's no team there. It's, it's, you know, if that were to happen. So, right, yeah, it's, it's a tough way to go. Like I, we talked about it when the original expansion was like, if you were to start baseball right now, you would not build it the way it is structured right now. But the way it's structured right now came about organically through 150 years of, of teams springing up all over the country and eventually the biggest ones making the way to the biggest cities. So. I don't know, you know. I'm stuck between wanting things to be the way they've always been because I, I feel like it produces good things, but I, you have to acknowledge that things have changed mentally.
1: Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think that in some cases, if they were to do it the way they wanted to, I think it would look like something like you'd see in English Premier League where you see these academies or even Cuba. I mean, mm-hmm. there is a, in Cuba, it's common that they identify the athletes pretty quickly and they do sports all day. That's all they do. And I remember my dad telling me some stories about, in terms of identifying boxers and baseball players and how different they were treated from the rest of the public. And in some ways, it kind of parallels that now. For example, we were talking to somebody at Woodward yesterday. Chris, remember that gentleman we were talking to sure. and how much they had to spend on gear? And it's getting, and people are playing fall ball. We've talked about this numerous times recently. And so I think it's going to get to that point where, I mean, a hundred years ago, there was a minor league team that, or uh, there was a team for your your factory team that there was. I'm not kidding, folks. I did when I was doing a deep dive on a Detroit Star player who was Cuban and played one of the first ones that played in Detroit, and I was astonished to find out that these teams, like the Ford, Ford had a, three teams. They had a Rouge team, the mm-hmm. Wyndha had a team, like all these semi pro teams. At one point, the Detroit News was following them around and. They like the they had a, the Detroit Yacht Club had a baseball team. It was really ingrained. Baseball is part of everything. Of course, there's no bat, there's no NBA around, there's no television around. There's there's really nothing to do. Let's I mean yeah. I, again, but
2: you play it, baseball, you sit around and get tuberculosis.
3: <laughs> and, you know, I think there are stories where there were guys who played for some of those factory teams who turned down the major leagues because they were doing better. Yeah, they're getting paid by the,
1: the the rich owners of those companies. To represent yeah. them. I mean, there's are the page, page, page Fence Giants, a story that Mitch, a member here from the Southern chapter of the Sabre chapter here, I, I thought Mitch did a really good job of talking about that and, and how that was a team that had the company behind them and they were able to afford these things. But few and far between, but now it's a completely different thing. And it's not what – I think you, you're onto something about that, Chris. That I think that the structure itself is outdated – and I think baseball is trying to catch up with it, but they're going to take some time before they kind of just kind of go, you know, and pop somebody in the head or something to that effect. So, all right, folks, it's now time for inside the numbers. So that, you know what that means? Time for that annoying sounder. All right. Um, so, I know John gave his inside number. Chris, what was your inside number this week?
2: So, mine is 23, and it's a bit of a stretch, but it's fun. So, so 23 difference in weighted runs created plus as a team for the San Francisco Giants in the three years before Scott Harris was there and in the three-ish seasons with Scott Harris. So, from 2017 to 2019, the Giants as a team posted an 82 one, rated ones runs created plus. So, 18% below league average as a team for hitters. Oh, and we remember, of course, that they were last place along with the tigers in 2017 for comparison at the same time for 27 to 2019 the, tw- the tigers were 86 wrc plus so they were better than the giants offensively now since 2020 the giants have had a 105 wrc plus so as soon as harris got there they jumped up 23 points as it were to, to now being 5 percent over average and at the same time the tigers have compiled an 88 so the tigers got the tigers got two better And the Giants got 23 better, 23% better. Now, obviously, we can't
1: give all that credit to Scott Harris, but uh, let's do it anyway.
3: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: yeah,
1: All right, Yupa, what is your inside the number this week?
3: Okay, my numbers are 31 and 300 million. Aaron Judge, owner of 60 home runs this year, currently carrying an OPS plus of 211 and been above 140, I think, for six straight years in OPS plus. Obviously, what he does in the postseason will be a lot of fun this year. Is he going to break the record here in the next couple weeks for the American League home run title? A lot of good stuff. He's had a wonderful season playing well in in the outfield. Next year, he's going to be a free agent. He's going to be 31 years old. And he turned down the $213 million offer and bet on himself as has been chronicled everywhere. And a lot of the speculation is, you know, is he going to be well over $300 million? on this next deal. So my question is after living through the Miguel Cabrera extension at a similar age, are you giving $300 million to a 31 year old Aaron judge? I don't know. My inclination is because of his athleticism, someone will probably the Yankees, but who knows? It could be another team, but I just, you know, Miguel Cabrera, we don't always have to use Miguel, but we know it was a massive contract and it kind of petered out in, a, in a, you know pretty quick. Judge is a bit more athletic in terms of he's not carrying the extra weight. Does that mean he'll age better through his 30s? Be so big. That worries me, the size. I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting winter to see if he
0: gets a $300 million contract at his age. Yeah. That's a, that's I don't, a good don't. Yeah. Point. I don't okay. see it. Yeah. I don't see like what other team than the Yankees has that kind of money to offer. I, I really Most don't. Of them? <laughs> name. All right. Name one team that you, you could see giving him a $300 million contract Dodgers, Cubs, Boston, Rangers, Mets, lower, yeah. Boston, Boston. Yeah.
1: Washington, Seattle. Oh,
0: yeah. Seattle. Well,
1: um, I just because I play devil's advocate and Seattle always seems like to be the name in mix in there. What were we going to say, Chris? So I was oh. I, they're
2: probably, they're probably 20. We, were you
1: memorized by who just liked their tweet?
2: No, somebody liked my tweet.
1: No, no, The, the one I posted John Rossoff, a former Tiger oh. GM, like their. Tweet. Oh, nice.
2: No, I, I think there are probably 20 teams who could pay Aaron judge, but there are probably five teams who would. Yeah. And, and they, they are the teams that can live with a $300 million contract that goes sour. And that's the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Red Sox, the, the Dodgers particularly. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think they will sign him, but right. but they're so good at developing players and trading and getting talent from everywhere that if they signed a guy to a deal and he, he turns into a giant bust, they'll just develop their own Aaron Judge <laughs> and be fine with it. But yeah, I, I, I cannot picture him playing anywhere outside of New York. Yeah. I, I can't, it just feels like one of the situations where he's, his agent or whatever, they'll ultimately give Yankees the, the the right of first refusal, right? So he'll get a big deal from somebody else and the Yankees will be able to top it and he, here in New York, you can't you can't let him go, right? I mean, no,
0: no. They their offense, other than him, is is not that great. Like, I feel like they can't afford to lose him. Honestly, yeah, no, I agree. They could bet, bet against themselves, absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right.
1: The, yeah, Erie just had a big strikeout. That's what happened. They so, got one. Yeah, yeah it's top the of the wolf. Yeah, is the wolf? Yeah. So it's Erie six Richmond and going into the top of the ninth right now, so we will keep you updated. I might step away for a moment to collect some audio. So, so my inside number this week is 99 and 8. Because yesterday, Chris and I spent a lot of time trying to find this one out. But So Kerry Carpenter hit his sixth home run on exactly his 100-plate appearance, which is the most... It's a second fast... Excuse me, the second most. And that would be... Is that right? The second most? Yeah, second, second fastest.
2: Yeah, I think... On- it was correct. a tough one to figure out this yeah. so we yeah i think the second fastest to six home runs does that sound right yeah and at least this 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 millennium if you will I, robert fick did it a little bit quicker through two seasons in terms of plate appearances i think that was it but yeah that's correct yeah but the, the one that we're talking about was matt, matt joyce, joyce right
1: yeah, yeah matt joyce hit eight home runs in 99 plate appearances but in 30 games but Kerry has six in 28 games and 100 plate appearances Again, that sounds like a trivial thing to, but he has just as many home runs as Spencer Turkleton does. And Chris figured out the math on his pace. You would have hit on, on his current pace right now, we hit 30 home runs in the major leagues. He has 36 for the year, which is, I mean, again, uh, combining levels, which I'm, I'm not going to even try to attempt to research that. And I, and I think I've re- uh, my brain this week, the amount of research I've done for Woodward and, and t- in general, I think my brain's fried. That being said, though, it is still impressive for a left handed bat. And I think he makes his way into the conversation next year for outfield consideration. Again, the reason why I've been so impressed with Kerry Carpenter is teams keep throwing fastballs. Okay, he's going to nail them. So, I mean, in terms of like, so the, the question becomes, well, how's he done in against off speed pitches? And so, one of the things I was looking up, because that's a, a good indication. And then there's bat pip and, you know, luck and all that stuff. So, In terms of how he has done with that, and that's a big role into max exit velocity. I mean, exit velocity is 87.3. It's, I mean, 30% K rate, all that. But in terms of breaking balls, he is hitting 179 against them. uh, And he has a 39% whiff rate on them. That's a, you know, that gives you pause for concern, but fastballs he has no problem with. All his home runs have been off fastballs. Yeah. So, again, if you can make the adjustment to breaking balls and off-speed stuff, I mean, off-speed stuff, he's got a triple on by 222, but you would like to see it a little better. So,
2: Yeah, you know, that's I, you know, I, I compared him to Brennan Bosch when he was coming up because, uh, because that was basically, Bosch murdered a fastball, and then once they de- decided that they could throw him sliders low and inside every time and he'd swing, that was it for him. So Carpenter might be able to survive if he doesn't swing at those as much, you know, he, his low average is on breaking balls. They were probably breaking balls in the zone for the most part so If you can lay off the breaking balls outside of the zone. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, memo Javi Baez, then uh, maybe he's got a chance. We'll see. It's, you know, it's impressive to, to hit six home runs. Like you said, that's, that's, I mean, his torque and uh, certainly not coming with the amount of, of fanfare that torque did. So, yeah. Sometimes it's nice to just uh, you know, ignore the, the fanfare, as it were, and, and let the results speak for themselves.
1: Definitely. And, again, there's not much to highlight with, when it comes to power numbers this year. The Tigers are going to have one of their worst offensive seasons in team history. But it is worth mentioning Carrie Carpenter, so we're not always negative, folks. All right, so now it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Or the good, or the bad, the funky, whatever. The last one's <laughs> up to your interpretation. Okay. So we did get – I think we did get a, a request for the good from – actually, you know what we did? We get. Oh, we did get inside number. I forgot this one. And that was from Steve Cook, and he said that his number is one. That is the Mickey's home run total for each month outside of May. He had three that month and also four doubles. So the 81 games outside of May, he had one home run and six doubles. And he doesn't see how he could be on the roster. Well, he's a Hall of Famer, so maybe that's well, – why I don't know. But anyway, I forgot to mention it in there. So thank you, Steve, for that. All right. For what is your good and bad, the ugly?
3: All right. The good came up with Quincy Kneeport, who just hit the big home run tonight. Kind of pimped it around the bases a little bit by doing a full-out sprint. Evidently, <laughs> Bowie was a little pissed at him for last week for going a little slow. So he rectified that and got the average up. Fun to watch. You know, it's interesting. I, I liked that signing. You know, just the under-the-radar guy from the Independent League, big dude with some power. Who knows what you run into? And certainly this year, you know, they've, they've caught minor league lightning in a bottle. He's hit a bunch of home runs. He's been a contributor. There's no reason why they can't stick him in AAA next year and, and see what happens. Will he ever spend a day in the major leagues? I don't know. Josh Lester did. So why couldn't yeah. he? <laughs> So, um, so it could happen, but it's, it's been fun to watch. And, and it was the kind of signing I wish Alavila had overseen more of, but at least he got that one.
2: My bad. You, you, you,
3: you Do you mind what? if I
2: interject real quick? I, I had promised that I was going to explain more of the story behind behind what was going on there tonight. So, And you said you know that they thought that he was taking his time. So last Thursday, Naporti hit a home run against Richmond. This is one of the situations where Erie was in Richmond last week and then had to go back this week to play the playoffs against them. So last week he hit a home run, and he's been dealing with a foot injury with some lower lower body injuries, so, and he's not a fast runner in the first place, right? So he took his time getting around the bases. I don't know if he was having fun with it then or whatever. but Or he had an
1: ankle. Remember, he does, he's been on yeah. a bad ankle too.
2: Yeah, he's, he's got some issues, so he's, he's not. But, yeah, apparently Richmond did not take time to do that, and in his <laughs> second at-bat the next day, he was hit with two outs in the fourth inning, hit with the first pitch of that at-bat. And, uh, and so Erie felt like that was on purpose. And then in the following inning, when Ty Madden took the mound again, I don't know if it's, it was Richmond's head coach, but whoever's coaching third base started jawing at the Erie dugout. And then the br- bitches is No, no throwing punches or pushing or anything like that, but there was a lot of yelling and it was all stemming from, they thought that, you know, Naporti was showing him up and, and Erie thought that they hit him on purpose. So you come back around today and it's very much a, as I said a, a, to Steve Cook, I said, it's kind of a Carlos Guillen, Maglio Ordonez, Jared Weaver situation where the he hits the home run and says, you know, you want to, so he, he really pumped it. He stood there for a good five, six seconds and then sprinted around the bases. You yeah. know, it's kind of like coming and his nose at them. Like, yeah, you know, here I'll run real fast this time. And then, you know, as he's going into the dugout, the whole crowd is booing and he puts his hand up to his ear, you know, like we Raj and I both called on wrestling heel and then Raj oh. did a great uh, photo of him oh, next oh, yeah. to Hulk Hogan doing the same thing. So, yeah, that's, that's the backstory there. It's just kind of, you know, classic baseball tomfoolery. But just wanted to give everybody the details there. So, sorry. you. Uh, always continue. good stuff.
3: Always good stuff. Yeah, like the, the – I always like the fact that, you know, I've said it before, in the minor leagues, these are guys thrown together basically for one summer and how they can come together and they play together as a team and these kind of games mean something to them, you know, and stuff like this is part of that. My bad. And it might not be bad. We don't know. But I'm one thing that happened this year was our friend Alex Avila. I ended up in the broadcast booth periodically. And I thought he was really good. So you, you wonder now with what's happened, his time in Detroit was very good. Would he be willing to work for Detroit some po- at some point in a booth? Or the fact that they usher out his dad, does that kind of cut off all communication there? which would be too bad because, again, I really liked Alex. I thought he was pretty insightful, pretty smooth delivery. I would love to listen to him on a nightly basis. That would be no problem. So I just wonder, though, if, if the developments of this past couple of weeks has turned that off. So we'll we'll see as time goes down, down the road. My ugly, just want to check in on where the Tigers stand with the draft next year and the lottery. Right now, they stand with the fourth-worst record which is backed up by the fourth. Where's run differential? So a nice matching pair there. So they're in a 383 winning clip. They're trailing only their, the A's, the Pirates, and the Nationals. Depending what they do, they could slip up into third place. It wouldn't take too much to get there. But there's been people doing some simulations of the lottery, and I have no confidence they're going to stay in the top three or top four. I'll tell you that. It just, they're, It's all over the map. So they could fall easily fall down to seven or eight and that would be
2: kind of a bummer. But this is funny, I, I was actually doing this last night and I was gonna to put together a spreadsheet. I was gonna do a hundred simulations on Tankathon in and, and like <laughs> see where they rank because technically no. you can drop six spots technically. Yes in this lottery. Now I did it like thirty times last night and they never went they went down to ninth it was the lowest they oh got
0: dude, that's I hate
2: lotteries. Why why is there a lot? But for the most part they still have a great shot at being in the top, getting the top pick in the top three. It's probably going to be somewhere between three and six. Yep. But uh, yeah, so that, that could be a, a giant bummer. But it could be, it could work out well for them, so we'll, uh, we'll wait and see.
3: My name I'm going to plant. I'm going to plant the flag right now, and it's going to change about six times over the next year. But I really like everything I read and see about Max Clark, prep yeah. outfielder out of Indiana. Boy, that kid could be a stud. I don't know. I mean, obviously, there are probably other kids that could be the same way, but he really looks like something big and i think you're going to have to be in the top 2 or 3 to get him so we'll just see how it all shakes
0: out over time okay i got some i got a good good i feel like this one i don't know i i put i put some time into this one so my good is is the the cleveland guardians uh so like for the last 8 october the tigers have not been in the playoffs so you kind of find a team to root for you know, as a Tigers fan, and I think I found my team in the Guardians. They're the team I'm gonna be rooting for this October because they really remind me of of a team like the twenty nineteen Washington Nationals. A team that really, you know, wasn't looked at to do much come October. And I think the Guardians are looked at in the same way. But I was just looking at some numbers right now. The Guardians have actually struck out the least amount via any team in the MLB right now. Uh, They they don't strike out their defense is is fantastic, especially the middle miles straw and steven kwan in the outfield cover a lot of ground actually something i read today was steven kwan is actually a five war player one of the most underrated players in all of baseball i just think their mix of, of pitching defense i know they don't hit a lot of home runs they're second to last in home runs but everything else i feel like checks the box for them and uh, yeah, they're, they're. I mean, it's going good for them right now. I mean, they just beat the White Sox twice and they now have a six game lead in the AL Central. My bad is going to be the Tampa Bay Rays in their offense. Their offense is not very good. There's no really other way to put it. They're 25th in baseball and home runs. That's the sixth worst. They're 23rd in OPS. They only have one player with an OPS over 800 in Yandi Diaz and, uh, you know, Unless, you know, Randy Rosarina just becomes a a god in October again, I don't really see how they're going to be, you know, producing runs when it matters most. And then for my ugly, it's just the White Sox, and just their little series against the Guardians, losing in extra innings. Only three games over 500 now. They're six games out of first. It's going to take a lot for them to, to turn this around. And at this point, I don't see it happening. You know, they've drawn the second least walks in all of baseball. They're 21st in home runs. And and for the talent that they have offensively, that's just, that's unexcusable. So I think the White Sox, I mean, they're not making the postseason. And that's that's pretty ugly to me. So yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, I
2: think it's uglier that they probably won't make any changes to the, they might get rid of Larissa, but. You know, the front office is going stay the same. You know, what's interesting is, is our uh, friend of the podcast, David Lorela, did a nice interview with A.J. Hinch for Fangraphs. Yep. And there's some good stuff in there, but Hinch actually name drops. He, he was talking about the team that he would like, and he said the Guardians. You know, like, if I had a team like the Guardians, we'd be, be running a lot more, and we'd be doing, you know. And, I, and,
0: yeah, like they check all the boxes, and they were a team. They got, like, bashed so hard this offseason because they didn't do anything, and everyone – was like saying, you know, sell the team. But, I mean, like, everyone is eating their words. You know, the Guardians have – I don't know. The, I think they're a fun team to root for.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: So, yeah, here let's, we are uh, let's,
0: in, let's tune in for the final pitch here.
2: Sounds good to me.
1: Uh, set by oh. – set by White. The pitch. Tri- oh. Swing <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's a
0: it
1: goes down the you first. Got him. You got it. Got, got him. The Eerie let's Sea go. Wolves are going let's to the Go ahead, Chris. You, go ahead.
2: No, yeah, the Wolves are going to the Eastern League uh, Championship. Yeah. They're uh, this is outstanding. First it's their time first time trip in to the playoffs team twenty thirteen. They've 30. never they've never won a playoff series. Yep. I think in franchise history. This is so, the first wow.
1: time in franchise history. Oh, That's really
2: awesome!
1: I think
3: that we will be there on Sunday.
1: We will be there on Sunday. We will be there on Sunday. I'm not sick. I am not going to miss. I like to dance. All that crazy dancing. All right, I'm yeah. going to post this real quick, gentlemen. You guys keep going. All right. Absolutely. I'll do my good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, go ahead.
2: So that's fun. The good, ERC Wolves. But my actual good was, was uh, Willie Adamas, who that's a name that, that Tigers fans probably don't, you know. Yeah, really that's to, not much. so good. <laughs> the Brewers have, have kind of fallen apart over the last month or so, but it's certainly not Willie Adamas' fault. He's uh, his 1.9 F war over the last 30 days. is the third best in baseball behind oh. Only Judge and Bo Bichette who was my good last week. And he's hitting 319, 389, 611 with seven home runs and 12 doubles while continuing to play plus defense at shortstop. He's easily having the best year of his career and it's kind of quiet. Like I hadn't paid much of attention. And I look up and like, Oh my God, he's had he's a five bore year and uh, he's got, he's hitting two He's got 31 home runs with average walk rate and that plus defense. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, I think he just turned 27. So somebody over at Fangrass wrote an article, like, is he going to get $150 million? Is like, is he a candidate for an extension? And I would say probably so. Yeah, I mean, that's good for him. I mean, and it, it's one of those cases where, like, everybody says, hey, the, the, the Rays can do no wrong. Well, they they traded him away. Now yeah. uh, they got some decent pitching out of it. But, uh, yeah, they, they weren't able to fix him. And then whatever happened in Milwaukee has is, is kind of turned it around for him. So that's cool to see. He couldn't see, right,
3: in Tampa? Yeah, and that
2: was the that was the story there, that he couldn't see in the lights there. So maybe fix your lights. Like, our, our buddies <laughs> at West Michigan are changing all their lights. Is he a free um,
3: agent after this year or next?
2: No, he's got two more years. Two more. Oh, yeah. So I think let me let me just double check on that. But yeah, it's kind of weird now. We're like, you know, for so long the Tigers were like, "Hey, let's get a shortstop. Let's get a shortstop," and and then they got Javi Baez, and so yeah, we don't, we'll see what happens if he sticks a shortstop. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to update this. But so my my bad is Riley Green's defense in center field.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. It's, now, people are going to be like, game. what?
2: And this yeah, a big exactly. game. Honestly, he's – yes, he's – overall, he's a, a, a good defender. In the field, He's not bad by any means, although I'm putting it bad here. He's, he's two outs of average to stat cast, one defensive run saved. He's an above average – well, those metrics, center fielder. But he's actually the worst outfielder in baseball when it comes to making plays in, in front of him. He's negative four outs above average there. And wow. I think part of that is America – you know, it's a very big outfield, so you're playing farther back just to start. He has, actually has the, the, the farthest uh, from home plate starting position of any outfielder in baseball. It's 328 feet, seven feet behind average. You know, not, not a huge difference, but you've got to, you know, account for things sitting behind, behind you. So you've got to start a little farther back. And then it, it just comes down to him not being very fast for a center fielder. He's got terrific instincts. We've seen him. he's makes he's spectacular plays to his either side. But his sprint speed is is 23rd out of 27 center fielders this year, and uh, yeah, I, I mean he's gonna it, it, at the least it's just something for him to work on, and I wouldn't count that kid out at all. I mean we talked to him years ago. He said he wanted to stay in center field. He said he'd rather stay in center field and hit 20 bombs than move to a corner and hit 30 bombs, and that's awesome. But you know at is some it- point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, for him, you know, I mean, I, you know, you, you want to see, and, and I, like I said, I wouldn't put it back past him to address this in the offseason and get better at, at balls in. But I think ideally, in a perfect world, you get someone with his caliber of defense playing center field who's also, I don't know, two steps faster. Yes. And you move probably grain to a corner, you let him bash the ball, and you let him contend for gold gloves in a corner outfield spot because he's still going to have the tanks. The- He's still going to have the similar range, He just won't have to cover as much ground. So that's my bad, and you know, I, I always like to do my is It's something they can get better, and I think it probably will get better. But you know, would I be upset if Parker Meadows is playing center field next year? No, I his instincts aren't as good as Riley Green, but I would bet that he's uh, close to 30 feet per second in terms of sprint speeds, but instead of 27 and a half, like, like Riley Green.
3: It, it is amazing to watch Green as much as we have this year, and I've had that in my mind. It's you've just touched on it. He's batting first and playing center. And really, in my mind, you'd rather see him eventually batting third and playing right field. So we'll just have to see what time what time does and who they acquire and if they if they find a truly off hitter. Yeah, and,
2: and that was another thing that, that Hinch mentioned in that podcast with David Lorela is he said, you know, I, I just want to get Riley Green as many at bats as possible, which yeah. is I think the right decision this year. This is, it's a lost year. Get yep. him as many at-bats as possible against big league pitching and, you know, give him as much time in center field as, as you want. I don't think he's a center fielder for a championship caliber team, but uh, the good news is the Tigers are only about 55 wins away from that level of his team. So. <laughs> and, and my ugly is Mike Clevenger. And I don't mean his face, although uh, I don't don't mean his face. He's kind of handsome man. <laughs> um, but what I want to talk about here is, is over the last month, he's been one of the worst starters in baseball. Five seven ERA over his last six starts, covering thirty innings, and uh, over over the season, he's been a decent. It's a four two three ERA over one hundred four innings. Like you take that, but his strikeout rate is a career low. His home run rate is a career high. His FIP is four point nine seven, which is not good. It's like the seventh oh. worst pitchers with one hundred plus innings, and he is a free agent after this year. Oh. And remember, this is this is a dude who put up back to back four win seasons back in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen for Cleveland but it's been kind of all downhill since then. He, you know, he, he had the you know, the COVID season. They broke protocol and, you know, putting Terry Francona at risk and that that led to him getting traded in, in part, I think, to San Diego. And then he got hurt. So San Diego signed him to a two-year deal for basically five and a half million dollars a year. And he just so, has been kind of average this year. So I think, you know, he's going to be a free agent. Maybe a team out there will take a chance on him. But, but you know, a couple of years ago, he might've gotten 15, 20 million on the open market. And, and I think he's easy. going lucky. Get what he was making this year, so yeah. that's that's ugly there, and he's going to be thirty-two. Yeah.
0: And they gave up Josh Naylor for him too. Yeah, and and so it
2: didn't work out. You know, don't trade with Cleveland. Don't trade with Tampa. Yeah, remember? Oh, they can't believe they gave up Corey Kluber for Emmanuel Class A. What a bum!
0: Oh, <laughs> dude, they gave up. They gave up Contral too. Quantrill, the starting yeah. pitcher. Oh, that is that's bad. <laughs> that's yeah, pretty that's, bad. Uh, right? So that's my ugly.
2: And uh, I think Raj is still uh, grabbing that uh, the video there for Erie. Think he, yeah. He's trying to, uh, we're trying to get the audio of Greg Gagne. You know, the, because oh. MLLB TV only does the home feed. And we'd like to get the reaction from Erie's, yeah. uh, Erie's team, which is, you know, this is, this is a long time coming for Erie and for mm-hmm. Greg. He's been, he hasn't had any playoff games in all his time there. So that's great. So, yeah. Well, so, we got some, uh, we
0: got some questions on Twitter. If you guys want to get into those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what I what I see right now is from, I don't know how to to pronounce his name, but it, it it was. Do you think Scott Harris gets rid of all the Alavila guys in free agency? I, I yeah, that one caught that one caught my eye a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's that's from Epic D three C. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. what do you guys think? Well, well, you know, well, what would you I, consider? My, my, uh, my
3: suspicion is they're going to find a way to keep Sam Menzen around only because he seemed like he worked well with Hinch. And again, it's always easier to do nothing (laughs) than it is to do something. He's there. I think that if I were someone like obviously David Chad place, those kind of guys, I I think anything, anybody on that scouting side is probably gone. And that's where Harris is likely to start really building his uh, components of people.
0: Yeah, I was thinking of it from a player aspect. Like, I was thinking like Javi Baez and, and Eduardo Rodriguez, I would say, are Alavila guys. So, I don't see them getting moved anytime soon. But, Chris, I'd like to hear your thoughts too.
2: And that's interesting. I, I didn't think about it as a player. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to see yeah. a ton of player movement. Again, I, really? I, I don't know if you can trade Javi Baez. He might be able to trade Eduardo Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you'd get the value that you want for either of those guys, though. But No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I. I echoed what, what you've said. I, I think the old guard in terms of the scouting and development, not development, the scouting department for the most part, is is probably on the way out. David Chad, Dan Lunetta, Scott Pleiss, Tom Moore, the international director. I, I think there's a good chance that some of the newer guys, like Sarkori and Menzen and Garco and Rebos, I think that, you know, we've talked about it before, that, that this has been one of the better years for development from the Segar Farm in a long time. So you, I, yeah. I would like to see them keep those guys there. And we mentioned it a couple times, but the Tigers do have some decent scouts. And there's one scout in particular, that we've talked about named Joey Lothrop. The, the, he's out in the four corners for, for the Tigers. And he's the one who signed Wilmer Flores, signed Bo Brisky. There's a there's a kid from the Ju- Chuko this year that they signed. And then we were just discussing today. The Tigers randomly got night we missed it a couple weeks ago. They they signed an 18-year-old high school kid out of Colorado as an undrafted free agent. He's six foot eight. And throws in the low, he touches the low 90s. And, uh, you know, perfect game had him as like a top 500 overall high school player in the country. So, and I I have to assume that's him again. So, I I don't know. I just like, dude seems like he's doing, uh, earning a paycheck. So, if you can keep him, I would appreciate that. But other than that, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of changes in the scouting side of the Tigers and certainly a lot of player movement. I think a lot of guys from the 40 man right now, we may see 40% of the 40 man change by the end of the beginning of next year.
3: Yeah, that's probably very possible, no question. But you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Who are those players are going to be? It's it's really, I really
0: fascinating. I don't know. Um, two, yeah, two that I thought of was Scope and Candelario. Those two came. Now, before <laughs> Harris was hired, my take
3: that I was quietly keeping myself to myself to write something later was that I think Candelario was going to be was going to return. That was just kind of my hunch. I still think that. Even after Harris, I think that even while we may see a lot of change and we should see a lot of change, at some point they got to put a major league product on the field. He's only a year removed from a a fairly good season leading the league in doubles and was pretty productive. Do they really think that now that he's had a down year that it's over for him? At his age, I have a suspicion, and he won't be that expensive, that he's back. But, you know, we're just going to have to see what Harris, how –
2: how much he swings that cleaver so we'll see and and, and one thing that uh, anyway, I, I we touched on a little bit that what san francisco kind of specialized in as soon as harris got there and, and you know under by 82 was that they seemed to, to find a lot of these guys in their late 20s and early 30s and, and put them in positions to succeed and Candelario would fit in that that role there and and i think part of that like I said, Zaidi comes from the A's. The A's were always really good at platooning guys. Yeah. And I think the Giants did a great job with that too. You got yeah. you know, like yeah. Gary, Darren Ruff. And know and it's kind of interesting. I was looking at the Tigers and thinking, okay, so we're looking at an outfield next year that, that could possibly Riley Green, Akil Badu, Terry Carpenter, Austin Meadows. All four of those dudes are left-handed hitters. Now, you know, Green isn't terrible against lefties, and, and Meadows is You know, he's had some issues, so it wouldn't shock me if we see some kind of random, like even a Dane Myers, who is a minor leaguer, who, who's 26, I think maybe 27, but he's he's got an OPS against lefties this year of close to 1300 in Double A. <laughs> so it's it just situations like that where, you know, teams always want a guy who could play every day, and they want these guys who are complete players. But if you want to win, and I think Scott Harris wants to win immediately, like not necessarily you know, win a title next year, but I think he wants to to. Establish a winning team. Sometimes you can create a, a, an average player by combining two below average players. And I, I think we might see more of that. And so,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> I
2: think there's really a lot of movement in that, in that regard. Yeah,
0: yeah. Parker yeah, Meadows, tough. he's a lefty too. So, yeah, so there's a, a lot of lefties
2: out of nowhere. It seemed like the Tigers never had any lefties and suddenly their entire outfield.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. There's like all righties once upon a time. You know, I saw some rando
3: tweet. I don't know who the guy was. He might have four followers, okay? (laughs) But the the message was he was worried that Harris was going to have a bunch of platoons and be unwatchable like the Giants. And I'm thinking, well, the Giants win. (laughs) I like winning. Winning is fun. Winning is very fun. I'm pro win. So if they they have four platoons next year and they're winning, I'm in.
1: That's what Sparky Anderson did in the 80s, and no one batted an eye then. (laughs) He platooned Tommy Brookins with a bunch of other people. Get, get out of here, with that nonsense. I don't like that too. I've i am sorry. i like never heard.
2: I've never heard of someone saying platoons are are Not to sorry. watch. Yeah.
1: Sorry, Chris. I didn't,
2: uh... Go ahead, Rog. Well, we we started doing questions, but if you want to do your good, bad, and ugly, Rog, we're oh yeah. Here.
1: yeah. Let's let's keep it going, guys. The good and bad, the ugly for me is this. Look, the good, Eerie one. The bad, I got sick this week. The ugly. <laughs> let's see. You know what the ugly was. Nothing, because Eerie won. There you go. You know, actually, I have an ugly. I reserved the hotel Tuesday to go, but then the Mm -hmm. Skyhairs press conference came back, and Motel 6 still charged me, even though I canceled and said, look, I potentially have something. I might, Because at the time, I thought, because based off what Sarah was going on with Sarah, my wife, Mm -hmm. I thought something could be COVID-related, and I canceled, and they still charged me. And like, oh, we'll see what we can do, and they still haven't, still yet to get a refund. So I'm announcing an official Woodward Tigers podcast boycott of
3: Motel 6. <laughs> well, we're if gonna, they were, we're going to be sponsored,
1: like, the Motel 6 is the finest. That, actually, the one in Erie, I'm not going to lie, that is a very fine establishment. Yeah, that is nice. They, they're, everybody worked there is like world class. And I really like that they're comparatively speaking to the crime Super, scene we stayed at. Yeah, the crime scene at Super 8. <laughs> it was a, a forensic files, Erie, Pennsylvania there. So anyways, we're not going to disparage that anymore. But uh, continue on with the questions, gentlemen.
2: So, yeah, I don't know. John, you want to keep reading
0: them? Or? Well, yeah, I had another one that was similar from Deadly Deadly Ninja Bees. He said, Who survives the Purge? Where does so- Gregory Soto fit in? He's not exactly a strike thrower. We don't, I, I think Lynn Henning, we, 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 I, I,
3: there's a Lynn Henning mention. We got to get a Lynn Henning mention every podcast, it seems like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he said Soto's time is waning now with the Harris hire. I don't know about that. You know, the guy's still a pretty effective reliever. They don't grow on trees. I think there's enough there to work with for Chris better to see if they can get him to the point where he's throwing the strikes. We'd all like him to throw, but he still gets the job done the vast majority of the time. And he's got talent. And I don't think you toss away talent just because he might be an outlier on the, on the strike throwing percentage you like. So I am, I'm someone who thinks unless a nice trade value is out there that
1: Soto is back.
0: Yeah, just as a lefty specialist. I mean, I could see him in that role
1: next year. You well, know, guys, can we just say one thing? I, I'm, look, I gave everybody who's listening at home enough advance notice, but I'm going to just play this. Wrong! <laughs> and he was wrong about a lot of these things. Take it as you will. He also <laughs> did get the player development list, and all he has to do is give somebody a calling and gets what he wants. So, uh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I'm not look. I'm not trying to be. I'm, I, do I sound bitter? Yes, I do, because of all the stuff we do on the back end. But it's okay. I'm not. I'm not 30, 40 plus years in the business of veterans. So yeah. that being said, okay. you know, you know, I,
2: it's funny. I think
1: this dominating the strike zone
2: thing it has a chance to be like a, a career long double edged sword for Scott Harris. <laughs> I think anytime they have a player like Javi Baez or Gregory Soto, who is isn't you know walking at a fifteen percent rate or striking out everybody, people are like, oh, I thought you want to dominate the strike zone. <laughs> but, I mean, you could, you could also couch that by saying, like, yeah, when he's in the strike zone, he dominates. When, when Javi Baez swings at strikes, he <laughs> dominates. Like, you could say it either way, any way you want. Now, our buddy Brandon Day from, from Bless You Boys likes to compare Gregory Soto to Camilo Duval, who is a very similar pitcher. He's right-handed, but he was the Giants closer. Yeah. And similar stuff and almost identical walk issues throughout the minors. The ball was, like, 5-3 walks per nine in the minors, and it's dropped down to 3 six in the majors and Soto was, I think five, six in the minors and it's, or five, three. And it's like five, two in the major. So it's, they're pretty similar. So I would not, you know, I, I think Scott Harris is smart enough to know like this guy is a lefty who throws triple digits. There's something here. Let's see if we can fix it before he moves it. And, and if he does trade him, I think we'll, we'll be like, all right, he thinks he can't fix it, but yeah, you don't just give a guy away like that without trying to fix him first. And, and I think the similar with Candelario is, is, up until this year, Candelario was one of the few guys who walked. He led the league in doubles last year, and he just kind of evaporated this year. So I think you you got to look at him and then try to figure out what went wrong and see if you could fix it first. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, well, what, yeah, yeah, Well, what about Scope? Because Scope was great last year too. So yeah,
2: yeah, oh. I, I could I could see them parting ways with Scope as much as yeah. uh, he seems like a, a good dude and a good team player, and he was a great defender this year. But he's he is somebody who you would never describe as, as dominating the strike zone in any, any way, yeah. really. I mean, he just, he's he linked at everything. And this year, the power went away. And, and if that's, you know, I don't know, it's tough.
1: Yeah. But as far as, look, and that's the thing that I, I really crack up about, about Candelario is that people forget, people were just, I mean, look, Candelario's had a bad year. Well, bad year. But the last two years, offensively speaking, he was been one of the most Tigers consistent bats. Probably the what, most. Yeah. Detroit baseball, though, he, and and I look, I'm on, I'm, I'm on team Cody here with this because it's frustrating when you go down there every single day, or you go to Erie, and somebody just has to give you a call when we literally do this on our out of our damn dime for Christ's sake, and we I can't even I get look I'm just I'm just gonna say this I'm I'm a little frustrated with hey I'm raising my hand at the press conference I'm gonna ask a question nope. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. I'll just keep, I'm just, you know what? Look, bottom line is this, I'm just going to say this and I'm just going to get it out there. I want to be the best us as a collective, the Mm -hmm. best source for techers coverage. That's what I do. Just got, I'll work everybody else. That's fine. Bring
2: bring an auctioneer paddle next time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys. Hey, look right here. I had a good question too. I'm not going to, it's not a way I'm not embarrassing. It's, Whatever. and then the next morning
2: we see Scott Harris uh, outside of Woodward Sports. <laughs> oh yeah coffee.
0: you didn't did you tell that story on the pod I, uh, I didn't
2: know I, I I went in there on was that yesterday yesterday morning Wednesday and the coffee shop right next to as I, I didn't realize it was part of like the whole complex um, Scott Harris is right there having coffee with his his family and I, maybe some tigers people I didn't really recognize him but I recognized Scott Harris I'm like hey that's fun I didn't I you know mean, I'm not like going to bother China on he's for his family but
1: yeah, the What's bottom line is like, but the bottom line is this. I just, it's a little frustrating. And what Detroit Baseball said is absolutely correct. It makes the job 10 times harder. So, which is why if you go on our Discord, I put out the player development lists that are behind a paywall on Detroit News. Why? Because <laughs> I'm the Robin Hood, maybe. I don't know. I and actually, I, I no, 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 I'm not. Well, Look, it's,
2: I mean, technically, it's information what we do that, in our
1: tr- video. pardon me?
2: That's basically what we do with our videos, right? We're just taking the videos and, and, Distilling them and putting them out for free.
1: Some point they're going to come. Maybe maybe we're the ones doing something wrong. We're not getting paid enough, or not being paid. That's fine. Well, not really, but at the same time, look, our passion is baseball. We love baseball. Love talking baseball. And if it's news, which is, we'll provide it. That's as simple as that. That's a simple. That's what we're trying to do. We're providing news. We're providing a service for everybody that appreciates it. So everybody out there appreciates it. Thank you. I just need to vent a little bit because it's just been. It's just one of those weeks I'm just like, all right, cool. I can't even get the I've – asked, I've asked a couple times to get people on the podcast. Silence. It's not amateur out here, folks. You might think that, but I'm looking right straight in the
0: eye. It's not. All right, enough. Sorry. I had to go Thank on my you, soapbox dude. here. All right, Chris, I had one more – well, another question for you. Specifically for you, it's from Steve Cook. He said, As Chris, has Chris come around to Flores and Olsen being starting pitchers in the bigs?
2: That's a yes and no answer there for that. I, I, I think Flores can be a starter in the big leagues now. I think he, I still think he needs to develop another pitch, because right now it's fastball, slider, or curveball, basically, and both the breaking balls are good. And the fastball he can get swings and misses in the zone, which is always huge. But I, I would like for him to develop something, a changeup. I know that he's working on the changeup. He just he he doesn't feel comfortable throwing it for strikes yet. But yeah, he, he's thrown enough strikes this year and he's worked enough innings this year where I'm no longer concerned about him being able to to do that in the big leagues. Uh, I don't know how successful it would be, like I said, without developing that extra pitch. But, but yeah, he's good. And I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him start a few games next year. Yeah, I, I still. I'm still in the, the reliever bucket. Yes, with, with yes, open.
0: me too. Me too. I've always me. thought that way about him.
2: For, and, and again, it's for me, it's it's it's. A couple things, Olsen's delivery, he's cleaned it up, but it's still, I don't think it's ever going to allow him to, to have average big league command, and particularly with his fastball. And his fastball just doesn't have the characteristics that Flores' does. His fastball is more like Ty Madden's and, and like Jackson Jones a little bit, where they if they leave it in a bad spot, it gets hit for home runs. It goes over the fence. And so he has to be more perfect with that, and he just hasn't been for most of the year. He, he's been good enough at times, but even, again, going back to that, that uh, A.J. Hinch, podcast, he mentioned he mentioned Olsen, he mentioned Job, and he mentioned Madden. He said, Yeah, we've we've cleaned up Job's delivery, we've cleaned up Madden's delivery, and we've changed Olson's pitch usage, which I think is is in large part because his fastballs were getting blasted. And you know, he's he's got a slider that will flash plus at times and his curveball looks, it's a decent fourth pitch. And I, I think his changeup is consistently a plus pitch. And it just kind of reminds me of Alex Lang a little bit, where he's a guy I think that could be potentially pretty dominant out of the bullpen if he's throwing Seventy percent off speed breaking ball, and you know the the fastball becomes his his changeup, if you will. But uh, that's yeah, that's just how I feel about those those two guys.
3: Do you think that Olson comes back next spring as a starter again,
2: though? I think probably I think he'll be starting in Toledo next year, and I I wouldn't be shocked at all if they give him a few starts in the in the big leagues too. I just mm-hmm. I don't picture it working out terribly well for him. That's all. But you no. Know, Get him, get him better, and and see
0: what happens. Yeah, is he the future closer? I mean, could you see that as a role for him? It's possible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past like, you know, he's not a terribly
2: big physical guy. I don't know if that you know matters for a closer or for a starter for that for that matter. But you know, I, I, I we've seen him top out at like ninety six, and that's plenty good enough for a closer with a fastball. But if you're, it's, it's tough to be a closer if your fastball isn't missing bats. Consistently, and I don't necessarily see that with him. Maybe if he does gain a couple ticks of velocity, you know, in one inning bursts. But yeah, I mean, he strikes me more as is kind of a seventh, eighth inning reliever, which yeah. is still valuable. It's it's uh, it's a great return for Daniel Norris.
0: Oh yeah,
3: for sure. It's just so interesting now. It depends so much for them. Is going to depend on, you know, how we continue to find starters. I mean, if if it's simply get through a lineup twice and you're done. Then that obviously raises Olsen's chance.
0: Oh <laughs> well, yeah, so, well, uh, yeah. He doesn't, but, doesn't have to go too deep. Yeah, but didn't Scott Harris find guys like like Alex Cobb and Alex Wood, like in in San Francisco, just guys on you know one or two year contracts? I can see that as a potential solution for next year's rotation. Yeah.
2: Roger, you were going to say something.
0: Forget it.
2: Let's no, move uh, on. Um, yeah, I I think it, it's who knows. It's it's all it's possible. He's got to he's. You know, he broke Erie's strikeout record this year. So there's a lot to like about results that I just, you know, the big leagues is the big leagues. It's not double A. It's, it's hard. So Matt Manning was the pitcher of the year in double A a couple years ago. And, and just now <laughs> sort of figuring things out at the big league level. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, you know, I saw that Steve actually added a couple more questions there. <laughs> yeah. he said, and somebody else in the, the chat asked this uh, sort of, he said, with Carpenter continuing to hit for power, uh, how much will this bleed into the Miguel Cabrera decision? He hasn't slugged over 325 in a month since June. Uh, if, if he came back, he has to make a 50-60 game roll, and you can't bat him clean up anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think with Scott Harris, you've got a chance for kind of a clean break with Miguel Cabrera there. I don't know what kind of, like, if he's going to get a mandate from Chris Ellis that says, no, we need to keep him around just because. But it wouldn't shock me if he sits down with Cabrera and, and like, they work out something where he's where he's not – Either he kind of goes on a retirement tour and plays once a week next year, or he leaves mm. this year. But I, I, think at this point it's getting kind of late for them to announce that. So yeah, be kind of I don't know. That that would I think rub a lot of people the wrong way if they go. Yep, yeah, he's done next year. So I don't know. What do you think, Rush? I'm no. sorry. You guys
1: go ahead. You guys, you're, you're fine. Oh, I was just I was
2: asking about you know if, if they – they do you think Harris is going to keep Cabrera?
1: I I I really don't. To me, I don't have a. I think there's a lot of preconceived notions that are going on right now about the roster and I'm just going to wait and see because Cabrera is a veteran. They have the respect they, if they can find a team that offload him great, but if not, I, I, again, I know that he is an issue. Everybody is so worried about his power and everything, but let the guy play out his damn last year and leave him the hell alone. That's my mm-hmm. take on it. There you, there you go.
3: You know, can he get healthy over the off season so that he can come back next year and can he poke singles and hit 300 for two months again? And, you know, be a, a semi-contributor. And then, you know, as he always does, he's going to, the knee is going to start to give way as the year goes on. And he probably rides it out on the on the disabled, or excuse me, the injured list. And I just have a feeling that's the way it's going to go. That he's going to have a little part-time job and he'll, he'll have a few little stretches of singles hitting excellence and... And hopefully we just,
2: it's a clean break in 24 and they move on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we talked about earlier, I can, I can see Cabrera being kind of the regular DH against lefties, right? Yeah. Think, you know, that would fit. And Gary Carpenter could be, you know, Gary Carpenter wants to play in the field, but there may be a few situations where he is one of the three best defensive outfielders. So if he wants to stay in the lineup, he may have to be kind of the regular DH. But yeah, if you have a platoon of Gary Carpenter and Miguel Cabrera, you might, get decent production out of the DH next year. So I could see that happening. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh and Steve threw in one last question. He said, why is Danny Sarretti the greatest six round pick of all time? Laugh out <laughs> loud. It's seriously, when is he gonna go into a fun? Does he make our top 10 in 23?
1: Ooh, that's, <laughs> that let's part out, that last one
3: to... sounds a little aggressive.
1: Let's, let's the breaks, but... folks. I like Danny Soretti. He's doing a good job. Pump the brakes. <laughs> yeah
2: <he's laughs> not the, I mean this is Brian Mueller erasure. Brian Mueller's the, the greatest six-round pick in Tiger's history. I don't know. Yeah, we've talked – Roger and I have talked about this several times just privately because we've been watching it. The, the most striking thing about Danny already so far is that he is, doesn't seem at all bothered by the leap to double-A in competition. He's, he's controlling the strike zone still. He's not hitting the ball terribly hard. Uh, he's three-run homer the other night, notwithstanding, which was huge. He's just kind of poking the ball. To the opposite field getting hits here and there and, and we thought he's, he's a little bit reminiscent of, of Andre Lipsius where it's not physically impressive he looks kind of funky in the box but he just hits and he's been mostly steady on defense until I think he had two errors today or at least one so yeah I'm, I'm excited I think he's, he's definitely worked his way into the top 30 I, I think you know at draft time I wouldn't have put him in the top 30 he was a you know a four-year starter at North Carolina you don't really think a whole lot of him. As a 6 round pick, but yeah, I think he's in the top thirty now. In the top ten is yeah. he
1: doesn't have the physical tools. I don't think he'll be a top ten prospect. Did we get to Mark's questions? By the way, I didn't see no Mark's ones. Wow. I don't think so. I got I got the questions. So we'll <laughs> end with these two. Mark asked a last week, and we didn't get to it. So that was my my apologies, and I want to make sure we answer both his questions. And his question from last week was, "Hey, Rafaelio." Joe Jimenez has pitched 55 innings this year. He's only got three home runs while striking out 76 is only walking 13. What role do you see him in for next year? Hopefully gets a few more late inning high leverage possibilities. I suppose it's also possible the new GM trades in this winter. I believe he's only had one year of arbitration remaining. And then the other question he had was, and this was uh, kind of a philosophy or kind of a more of a bigger, bigger picture question, if you will, or a fan question. I think you might, or excuse me, If you were to catch a milestone home run, for example, the Aaron Judge home run, Mickey, Pujols, et cetera, would you give it back, and what would you ask for? I see a lot of people tweeting out wanting monetary reward, but I always thought a few signatures, team sign, bat, batting gloves, and sign ball would be sufficient. Thank you, Mark, for the questions. As far as Jimenez goes, I I, I think Jimenez is kind of like, to me at least, not talked about enough out of his bullpen this year he's had some really good numbers he's recovered very well and i think go give credit to aj hinch and the way they've used them in situations and, and kind of recognizing they put them a little leverage situation they built them right back up gradually and that's i think they, they did it correctly and they built up his confidence and after that he's been it was money and i think that for all the every everybody's, everybody's talking about slaying and Chafin and, and all the cast of characters in there, but Hernandez I has quietly had a good season, and at least in my opinion, it's not talked about enough. And I think that that is something definitely worth highlighting. If they can get some trade value, great. But I think if he has a spot in this role, I, I think he has a spot in this team next year if the Tigers choose to bring him back. And as far as that on the home run, home run uh, milestone catch or anything like that, I would just want season tickets. <laughs> I don't think that's. I know you guys are laughing at me about it, but quite frankly, season tickets are monetary value alone. comparatively speaking to that home run, I'm not asking. I at first I originally thought about asking about for twenty five thousand dollars, but then (laughs) now I would look like a dick. And then just like say, well, you're like everybody else. And in reality, I would just want season tickets in a nice spot for two years and a jersey. That's it. And I don't think that's too much to ask. And if you think I'm a you know think an asshole for asking that, well, I don't care. So.
3: Okay. for me on Jimenez relievers are so volatile and you know volatile could be Joe's middle name for that matter over, over the length of his career I don't know if he has a ton of trade value I, I'd i be inclined to just roll with him again next year keep him on this track coach him up to stay where he is be a seventh eighth inning guy kind of maybe assume the innings that Fomer had if things work out and that's a hell of a reliever especially where he was a couple of years ago when you could have swore his, the clock was ticking on his career. <laughs> so good for him. But I, I, I'd i be really surprised if there's, if there's a, a huge trade market out there for him. Uh, in terms of if I caught a valuable ball, I'm kind of along the lines with Raj. I mean, I didn't think about season tickets, but now that you mentioned it, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I think that's fair. I'd want a picture with the player,
0: yeah.
3: a signed picture. I think they could post for a picture, no problem. And then, of course, They'd have to come on the podcast for
0: 30 minutes <laughs> I mean, no, that's a that's, that's, that that's good. Yeah, I would want a picture too. But in terms of, of Jimenez, I think he could, you know, be a potential option for the closer. I, I don't think he has any trade value just because he doesn't have the track record that teams are going to want. But, yeah, I think the role he's currently in right now is great. I mean, his his numbers – he's probably the Tigers' best reliever, arguably. So – I'd say keep him in that, you know, eighth inning role. And if, you know, if they don't want to go with Soto next year as a closer, I think Jimenez is one of their better options internally. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, go ahead, Chris. No, good. No, you? I
1: was just going to say, I mean, I, I really, if he's a veteran and he can already do the job, they're going to need starters next year. So that's all I was going to say. Yeah, I mean,
2: Jimenez – He's always been a little bit iffy with men on base for whatever reason. But other than that, he's been outstanding this year. By, by F war, he's a top 20 reliever in baseball. Wow. 1.4 war. He's got a 2.00 FIP. So I would certainly listen. You know, if somebody's looking for a reliever in the offseason, I would listen. It may be one of those situations, though, where you you just kind of you hope that he stays good next year. And if you're out of it at the trade deadline, then then Relievers tend to bring back more value at the deadline than anybody else or, or not than anybody else, but, but more than you would expect. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy to hold on to, I think, unless somebody blows you away with an offer in the offseason. Maybe, maybe even he's a guy that you kind of sign to a, a longer deal, a two, three year deal. I mean, he, he, he hasn't been good up until this year, for the most part. So that's a little bit scary, but you could structure it in a way that I think wouldn't hurt you too much. And yeah, he could close games if he had to, so that's that's always good to have an arm like that. Yeah, I mean if for the for the milestone home run thing, I had, like if remember a couple of years ago that dude caught the I think it was an Albert Pujols was it his 600 home run? I think he caught it in Comerica and he wouldn't give it away. He did just didn't give it back, and there was a whole story about it, and it was because you know his son had died, and like he just you know it was something that was special to him. I which I give that guy a ton of credit because I feel like the pressure was probably immense for him to give it wow. back. I think if it were like if it were Aaron Judge, I'd be like, ah, whatever. I don't care. But if it was a Tigers player, I'd be like, okay, let me sit in on the draft all three days.
0: <laughs>
2: that's what I want. I wanna I wanna be in the draft room. I'll sign to NDA. I won't talk about it if I if, if I do then you know whatever. But that's just what i like. That's something that I would love to be a part of, just to to witness like all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. They would, of course, would never do it, and I'd just have to accept my, like you know, signed game-worn pants or whatever. But you know, that's yeah. what I want.
0: I'd want a job. Let me let me work for yeah. the me a, Give me a job. Good luck with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, sure. Here's a the ball.
0: Give me a job. So yeah,
2: yeah like, they'll put, they'll they'll like, here, You want
1: a job, and you don't specify what the job. They're gonna put you in a hot dogs. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's what yeah, I mean. the old thing in hot dog vendor.
1: <laughs> no. All right. So was that it? gentlemen on that question Don't the only know.
2: other one i saw was yeah buddy asked if this was carpenter's rookie year and he said i may have already asked this on green but forgot the criteria so yes. yeah yes criteria for being a rookie in major league baseball is is if you if you have 130 if you have more than 130 plate appearances or 45 days on the active roster you're no longer a rookie mm-hmm. and carpenter is at we, as rod mentioned i think he's 100 plate of, 100 like 91 at bats and he's at forty-three days on the active roster right now. So in two days, he will no longer be a rookie, or he will. This will have been his rookie year. Now, if they send him to Triple A today, he could be a rookie again next year. But uh, as we talked about, you know, he's like their best power hitter, so I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know.
1: Well, on that note, gentlemen, thanks so much for every. Th- ah, thank you for everybody participating on the YouTube chat tonight. Thank you for everybody listening to episode. 28 of the Woodward Tigers podcast. will be back. Probably, actually, we're probably going to do a live show Sunday. I got to figure that part out. Either it's going to be jamming down near you. They're going to expect to be sold out. But I think we'll probably do something out there. So which means we'll actually be hanging on the press box pretty much all game. I mean, for once, there will be not seats available. So that will be something I'm looking forward to. We'll get some playoff action, some championship playoff action. As Erie advances for the first time in franchise history to the double to the Eastern League championship, they'll get the winner of Somerset and New York. Speaking of that, by the way, that right now there are five, five in the last time I checked, it was five, five in the 10th between Portland and and by the way, Portland is the Boston Red Sox affiliate and Somerset is the Yankees affiliate. So yeah, that's the the, hatred rival, the hated rival and Somerset won the series. And they won in next rating six to five. And so they will be playing Somerset on Sunday. I think let me see if I got that right. Is that right? Let me see. Yeah. Is Jason
3: Dominguez on that team?
1: He is. He got called up recently. Nice.
2: Of course he did. So but you know, they they moved up into the Volpe. I don't know. You know, they've got some talent there, but uh, yeah, a lot of their talent got moved this year. So and uh, they say that you're not allowed to send guys down from AAA unless there's an injury. So we'll see if there's a rash of fake injuries for Somerset.
1: Yeah, that, that is the final. So, yeah, that is the final. So that was the... By the way, I just just want to mention this real quick. Tampa right now has a potential to win their fourth title. Fourth Rays affiliate to win a league championship in 2022.
2: Yeah, the, the Hot Rods won, right? And...
1: And right now the the biscuits are playing against. I think it's Pensacola
2: beat the biscuits six to five. So, the biscuits.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I have a biscuits hat too. It's in somewhere back there. Yeah, I mean, I think
2: that was like designed by the same people who did the lug nuts, right? Like that was right when people started getting wacky with the minor league designs, and, and yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things we we talk about. The Tampa, they they set a record last year, I think, for winning percentage across the minor leagues. And you know who had four winning minor league teams this year? The Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Toledo, Erie, and Lakeland somehow (laughs) was over 500 despite having a bunch of 18-year-olds. So that was impressive.
1: Yeah, and we should maybe head out to Toledo Saturday before we head out to Erie because this is the last – I think this is the last homestand for the Mudhens. And so they are five and a half back of Nashville. They just had the winning streak snapped, but it was an impressive one. Enough to make a Brin differential of plus thirty eight, so they've yeah, been able they, to get that going. So
2: it was a doubleheader today, right? They lost the first game, so that snapped their win streak at after twelve. But then they won the, the nightcap, right? Yep. So that's correct. So they've won thirteen out of fourteen. Home run for Cody Clements. Good for him.
1: Yeah, and they're they will finish the season. Of, looks like possibly 20, 19 to twenty games of over five hundred. So it's going winning Enough baseball bad. across the board, and, and it's can't ask for any more much more than that so on that note everybody we'll see you sunday at in erie chris and i will be out in erie have a good weekend everybody and say something profound i got nothing all right good night folks good night good night definitely gonna edit that apart out